Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find links to help you purchase the music you hear on the show and a donate button if you feel like the Jazz Session has contributed something to your life and you'd like to contribute right back. There's an easy way to do that very securely using PayPal, and you'll find the donate button on the left-hand side at thejazzsession.com. Today's guest is bassist Charnett Moffat. He grew up in a musical family, but that means more than just a family that likes listening to music, as you'll hear in the interview, and uh, he's made quite a name for himself over the years. His brand-new album on Motema Music is called Treasure, and it starts this way. My guest is bassist and composer Charnett Moffat. His new CD on Motema Music is called Treasure, and it's uh, my pleasure to welcome Charnett to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Jason. Uh, this CD uh, seems to me in many ways like a, a kind of a reunion or a bringing together of many different phases of your life, from the people who are on it to the kinds of music represented on it. It, it sounds like you've you've been able to synthesize uh, decades of experience in this new album. Maybe you could just t- start by talking a little bit about some of the ideas you had uh, for this album, why you decided to, to make it, some of the things you wanted to say on the record. Oh, well, it's just songwriting, you know, you, you write songs and different pieces of music, um, different styles of music, so it's just the sounds in my head that I just was putting to uh, color with instruments and 
staying true to how I, um, you know, hear music, interpret music, or how it comes to me. So it was just more or less concentrating on the melodies of the song along with the uh, freedom and the improvisation so that the audience would have specific themes that they would obviously walk away from remembering, but yet still get the uh, enjoyment of uh, spontaneous uh, improvised uh, factor that is um, a force in jazz. And this album really covers a lot of ground musically, which seems to be a, a hallmark of what you've done. You've always seemed to resist kind of being stuck on with a label or stuck in a pigeonhole. Is that uh, is that an accurate <laughs> statement on my well, part? Well, I mean, I just, I mean, jazz is, is is to me is universal music. So the jazz is the word jazz is so much bigger than what it represents, and um, because it incorporates so many different wonderful. Um, uh, styles of music from all over the globe, really, if you allow yourself to um, use all of those possibilities. And so for me, it's all one kind of music, a world music, a, a music of love, a music of unity, or, or exposing or sharing things to um, to uh, exchange information and share, you know, as we teach and learn from each other. So uh, I think that is one of the, the beautiful gifts and the, the uh, value of music. As an artist, I have certainly lived it. <laughs> it's, uh, lucky for me, it's a beautiful thing that I have lived and uh, understanding and learning and knowing more about. And with this album, I just simply wanted to use some of those different experiences from places like Japan that I've been many times and implement some of those sounds along with American sounds that I've done with playing with people like, um, you know, Wynton Marcellus or Ornette Coleman or McCoy Tyner, for that matter, and all of my great teachers and I'm still learning as a student, and I'm also starting to understand the value of what you learn when you actually teach as well. So it's a good balance point artistically, and honestly, Jason, I'm just uh, getting started, so I'm just trying to keep going here and uh, uh, keep evolving with uh, creativity that allows you to be uh, yourself. I think many many people might say that when your resume can include the three gentlemen you just mentioned, that maybe you're not quite just getting started. But uh, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, the way the way that you just characterized music sounds like a very kind of uh, beautiful and open and, and loving way to approach playing. And I wonder if you ever find that that your approach is at odds with the 
the industry or the or the business side of things. Is that ever a difficult balance for you? I, you know, I really don't think so. I think you know because when you talk about industry, you're talking about people who are human beings who are feelings. You know, that wake up and you know also have to go to the bathroom in the morning. You know, and when you <laughs> when you look at life from that perspective, and although it's a business a trade, and you focus on all of the um, the things that that you're able to actually accomplish together uh, as you know humanity to put the, the higher level of quality music on the planet um, as much as possible to uh, to enter to create an energy of a um, a healthier atmosphere I think that's important that's part of our responsibility as artists I mean if we're able to paint in many different colors then we should use as many different colors as possible we shouldn't be limited to just a small selection why not use all of the colors in the rainbow so um, I don't think it's a, it's it's a battle with the industry or anything. I mean, that they're, they're human beings that like different styles of music and different strokes for different folks and their culture and what they're exposed to. So that's like any normal um, audience, public audience, internationally. You know, where they're still sharing information and, and growing together. Of course, we have strategic things that work occasionally for certain artists, but ultimately, it's up to the artists to really um, to have the love for the music and to uh, build their audience and to share it with the, the audience uh, whenever they have an opportunity to do so. Following up on that idea of, of painting with all the colors that are available, you also use several different brushes to paint on this record uh, in, the, in the guise of three different bases. Can you tell folks, this isn't a show aimed at bass players, but I think folks might be interested just to know what bases you play and why you make a decision like that. Yeah, well, I'm known as a double bassist, and, um, which I'm proud of, and also for my work on the electric now. And um, so I'm doing both of those basses along with the piccolo electric, which is an electric bass guitar tuned an octave higher from a regular bass. So they each have different timbres and tone qualities and colors. Some uh, are able to be a little bit more rooted than others. Some are more melodic than others uh, based on the uh, the song or the texture of the piece that I, or the feeling that I'm trying to share with the audience at the moment. So, you know, it's... Uh, just different uh, frequencies of leads. You know, you can have the supporting, uh, you can lead the leading role and then the supporting role, but there's also a way that you can create music where each sound has a lead within itself, which is playing um, improvised uh, creative ideas organically, which, which is very, um, um, has the most flexibility when you're playing in a um, more avant-garde uh, 
style of, of playing, but yet there's still a structure that you have to follow in order for the reference point to make sense. So therefore you have a thematic through line. But you know, that's compositionally speaking, but in terms of the, um, you know, the instruments, they just each have their own character colors that they're uh, a certain, you know, uh, color in a painting or a certain actor or a character in the movie based on whatever the song or the, the storyline that's needed to share at the moment. So it's really like putting music to words, as if it's a movie or a script going on. When you first started playing the bass uh, as a very young man, what kind of bass did you play? I had a half-size um, bass, actually. Um, German bass, I believe it was. No, actually, it was a half-size K uh, bass. And it's funny, because it seems like I've, I'm going full circle here. I'm now playing a travel-size uh, bass that's the Brissetto Colstein, which is a copy of the old Scandalafero bass. That allows those space guys to get around and make gigs without getting kicked off the airplane. <laughs> uh, luckily for me, I happened to really take a strong liking to the instrument, and it allowed me to develop more of the solo um, work that I'm now doing on Treasure being the title cut. Also, my record as well, um, AOI, the, uh, was a solo piece. And so uh, I'm still developing a solo bass concepts along with duos and and quartets and other possibilities. But more importantly, Jason, is that as we evolve and, and our music changes throughout time, because I've been doing this for a little bit of, of time now, I realize this was 27 years of doing this, that, you know, the whole point of keeping yourself inspired is to keep an open mind. And so just to learn as you keep going, because uh, back on things that, you know, obviously I wish I had better understanding <laughs> 10 years ago, I could have saved myself a lot of time, but you get you get at those points when you realize it through time, and uh, that's the beautiful thing that makes you appreciate some of the great masters that are that are still here, as well as some of that are no longer here that we certainly learn from, and sometimes they said things to us that were so far ahead of their time, it took us a little time to catch up with them before we fully understood uh, completely. <laughs> so, it's a beautiful uh, blessing to still be um, uh, playing music after all these years and to play with so many wonderful people, and it's also a, um, a blessing to uh, to share some of my um, musical concepts from another perspective as a composer and a, um, and, uh, you know, band leader, I guess I have to say these things now, but, you know, it's really just about the music for me, so, again, if that's what I have to now do in order to express those ideas, and it's just another uh, process and uh, a part of my career at this point, but I'm enjoying it. You know, Treasure is my uh, 11th CD, and uh, we just did a concert up in Rochester, which was really beautiful, and we had a great audience up there, and I'm uh, looking forward to doing some more things in the future. sound of music is forever. Thank you. 
I was just about to mention that very show. I used to live in Rochester and uh, and still have quite a few friends there who uh, wrote about that that show and in particular about the fact that you came out mostly by yourself for quite a while and that how um, impressed and amazed they were with the solo playing. And I just wanted to ask you about about solo bass playing. It seems like it it offers up the world, but it also must demand quite a bit uh, from you as a bassist. Well, it's really a great way to to express yourself and not have um, the interference that sometimes can happen, not intentionally, but just in terms of lack of understanding and the um, code of science in order to take something with a low frequency and have it be heard as the um, dominant sound without it being um, difficult or or, uh, to follow. Because there's a feeling like low frequencies are actually stress busters, if, if you really think about it. I mean, because music, it's all healing. It's like oxygen in the air, you know? Like, music is like the food for the soul for human beings. So, uh, playing in a soul capacity simply just allows me to um, uh, really just have more freedom to, to play the instrument as a sound instead of letting the instrument play me. I mean, it's, it, as a bassist, you, you, you're required to have... So there's a certain function that you have to do and support that you have to do but as a soloist the bass is an extension uh, an extension of your voice therefore you can it's a machine you can you're the brain of the machine you can make it do whatever you allow want it to do based on your own idea your creativity and then you see what the possibilities are which is realistically doable and what is it based on the science and the structure of the instrument but I'm not playing the bass. I'm more or less playing the voice inside of me that that I feel using the the bass as a a, a, a tool, a vehicle to to express the feeling that I want to share. You still have to be able to play a bass part when someone says, "Hey, play this bass line." It goes like this: dun da dun da dun da dun dun. You got to be able to do it. You know what I mean? But you know, I'm painting more in another way at this point. Did it take you a long time to get to a place where you think you felt like you could kind of sing your voice through the bass? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, you, you're always working on things. You never want to get that, you know, comfortable. <laughs> you're going to show. But, I mean, you know when you have obviously have developed something because you've devoted a lifetime to it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not anything else to uh, work towards. You know, that's the whole thing about balances. And so uh, I love the art of it. I love music, you know, and I'm, you know, the art of music is a wonderful thing. You can't let some of the... Um, Things that happens as we learn and go through a time in life uh, discourage you from something that's so beautiful. Discourage you from something that's so beautiful as far as the love of art and music and what it does. And for us as people, it's great. And so I really just focus on that and keep moving in that direction so that I can continue to be an artist because it's a blessing to be an artist and to have uh, be a part of a jazz festival right here in the States without having to travel to Europe, which, you know, is wonderful and I love, but it's wonderful to be at home and tour and play jazz festivals, you know, right here in the States as well. (laughs) ¶¶ 
mentioned uh, a few minutes ago uh, 11 albums 27 years and you only just turned 43 uh, like 11 days yes, ago so, <laughs> yeah well since you put your the date of your birth on your own website i didn't feel bad about about uh, exposing okay. you but uh, well, i didn't actually do that that's good but uh, one thing for people who don't who don't know about your background will you talk a little bit about your family and and the the incredible influence that growing up in that family had on you? Oh, it's been really something, I tell you. Um, you know, uh, I grew up in a musical family, which was um, an amazing experience. It's kind of like the the, uh, the Jacksons of Jazz or something. I don't know how they explain it, you know. But um, it's fun. But we all were playing it because we just loved to play. And, you know, being the youngest, growing up in a musical family, you know, it was just very natural to take part in the family activity and play an instrument. And found a love for bass, which happens to be actually my um, third instrument. Um, uh, and my father started this all out of drums quite naturally with him being a drummer. Um, and uh, I ended up playing trumpet after drums, which is where I get my piccolo bass appetite from, with the higher frequency. And then... Um, Bass ended up being the uh, third and final answer, I guess. <laughs> so it's it's great to be able to build from the ground up and to come from a, a great legacy and history and to have shared and learned so much from so many different people, but also realize that there's a you know, Jason, on the big level, there's a, another responsibility here as well as a as a uh, an American artist to uh, continue the uh, pushing things into the new directions of. Uh, Possibilities to expand from the roots that we've learned from, and then to teach, and then to share that, and to give back as well. So there's a whole cycle here that we all have to do our job in order to keep things moving accordingly. And uh, once you're aware of it, then you know you have to uh, do it the best you can without it. Um, uh, with it being, you know, something that is uh, a value to your spirit, is something that uh, doesn't drain you because that's when it gets a little bit tough. But you want to always make sure that you're giving and you're, you're sharing the information in, in, in the way that you can um, uh, keep making creative changes for the better good of music. I want to make sure folks understand uh, many people grew up in musical families, but when you say you grew up in a musical family, like your dad wasn't just playing drums you know, in church on the weekend. He was playing drums for Annette Coleman. And when you were a kid, you were you know touring with your family's band in, in Japan and many other places. And so you're... When you say you grew up in a musical family, you grew up in a family for whom music was a profession and really almost a an all-consuming thing, not just something that you did, you know, kind of on the weekends to have a to have a good time. And I've got to believe that 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 makes music look like a more achievable goal than it might for many people who don't grow up in a family of people who can actually make a living through playing. Well, that's true. There's a lot of truth to that, and also, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, when you've been, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, 
you know, I've really enjoyed myself playing music. You know, I, in spite of uh, the things that you go through sometimes uh, of, over a course of a career, of a lifetime, it's amazing. But really, when you love something so much, it you know, and it's obvious that you love it because it's not like artists can hide that. <laughs> um, you just you just do it, you know, and you just play because you love it, and 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 it, it almost becomes like a, it, it is a way of life, you know. And uh, when you grow up in, in an environment like that, you, that's all you know, and it's almost like you're born to do it. So uh, uh, thank God I'm able to make a living at it because uh, it's it's an amazing uh, life experience to travel and see the world and doing something like this and playing music every night and and still. Uh, Learning new music and creating new music—it's uh, an amazing. It's a, it's a different, whole different kind of life. I'm starting to really fully understand this now. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's it's a great it's a great run. Um, musical families are a wonderful thing. I've been blessed enough to um, have um, share some of that legacy throughout with you know, with my own uh, children now who are young adults. And uh, lucky for me, uh, in a lot of ways, I've been somewhat very sheltered and very exposed simultaneously if I could say that so a lot of things that that should have been very apparent to me just completely went right over my head and and, and, and in a lot of ways it was a, a, a positive that I didn't see certain things because it kept me just focused on the music and I think when you're focused on the music that's really the only way that one can really um have a healthy attitude about continuing to make music in the future and also still getting out there and wanting to, you know, meet people. I love people. It's great to meet people and, uh, you know, to share that and and uh, just check out other perspectives. Your uh, new album features the guitarist Stanley Jordan on a couple tracks, and you were um, on his, I believe, Blue Note debut back in the 80s and uh, have a, a long-time relationship with him. Can you say a few words uh, about Stanley and what it was like to work with him then and now? Oh, he's phenomenal. <laughs> Are you kidding? Stanley is... I've learned so much from him. Uh, he is a, uh, a true artist who, uh, in a lot of ways, is one of the uh, very few people who's thinking about music 24-7, 24 hours a day. I know uh, there's a few of us out there who actually do this, you know, with no disrespect to others. But uh, they've got someone who, who's that serious about what they do every day and every second. It's very thought out and prepared in some way or another it's beautiful because what it does is just allow it just makes you um you know make sure you you know dot all your i's and cross all your t's and try to always be as polished as, as you can with um and preparation and things of that nature sometimes the schedules are just so hectic you do the best you can given the circumstances but still within that you know you find the balance of everything you still have to you know give a great show uh, and Stanley always rises to the, the occasion. We've been friends for a long time. We've worked together for over uh, two years. I was fortunate to have him be a part of this album. He did appear on one of my earlier recordings in Blue Note. Uh, gosh, that's going way back. I can't remember which album it was at the time uh, right now. But anyway, it was great to have him here on uh, be a guest on Treasure. And he added so much uh, support in a creative uh, playing that really uh, made it a uh, more of a worthy cause.
speaking of the idea of uh, of family sticking together, there are quite a few Moffats in the credits of this record too. Can you uh, tell us who they are? Yeah, Max Moffat on drums, uh, my son, and he's a um, wonderful uh, drummer uh, that I've been working with now for a lifetime. <laughs> really, it's uh, really understanding uh, a lot of my concepts. Sometimes, um, what some of the things he reminds me of are things that I've forgotten because I've moved on, or you take another job and you move into other people's concepts, and you understand that, and you give that a hundred percent so that you can make the best uh, music in those scenarios. And then sometimes when you go back to your own space creatively. Sometimes you move on to another idea. You forget about some of your old ideas that people never even heard, but it's there's still a new idea. But then it becomes old to you. <laughs> and you know when you're dealing with someone who's growing up around you. And studying that and seeing that and, and what they're getting through osmosis, it's like uh, amazing to, to, to play music with them because in a lot of ways, it's, it's the funniest thing. Uh, I know, of course, I have a, a brother who plays uh, drums as well, Cody, but playing with Max, it really reminds me of playing with my um, my, my own man more. It's, it's, it's kind of funny how that is where uh, different people have different things that they bring to the table in terms of their own uh, natural spirit, the way they, they are as as uh, people, which makes them uh, have their own artistry. And then, of course, uh, there's Angela, uh, who provided spoken word on some of my previous records, uh, and also joined me here with Tambor, uh, as well as uh, Maria, um, who uh, provided um, some vocals on an introduction on the Fela uh, piece. So it has been a family affair, and only not because of anything in the uh, nepotism thing, of which I have been, you know, criticized before <laughs> in the past. And so, and actually, you know, by the time I paid attention to things like that, it kind of made me shy away from that. But instinctively, what happens is that sometimes the sound that you're looking for is sitting right there in front of you, and if it's there, then why not utilize it? And uh, you have to be uh, very cautious of being also true to your artistic vision because if you don't do that then how can you possibly keep creating music uh, in a, uh, a way that is still exciting so there's a lot of delicacies there and a lot of history there with working with family who's also like family really when you think about it uh, so there's a lot going on here also with other musicians that I've known for a long time but never had an opportunity to work with for example like Rodney Holmes uh, I remember being at the Blue Note and running into him at a jam session <laughs> some time ago, probably over 22 years ago, or 23 years ago, we say, hey, we got to hook up, we got to play sometime, and finally, we had a chance to do so. <laughs> Just two decades later, here you are. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So you, you never forget those little things like that when they happen. And there are some you know, great newcomers, of course, Kasten and Lebersky, who I met in uh, Belgium when I was on tour with Ernie Coleman. Uh, uh, he's just an extraordinary young talent. He obviously has it. He's uh, with his funny Nick Berkeley uh, School of Music and uh, also joining me was uh, R.J. Avalon, who was on my previous album, uh, Art of Improvisation, Trumpeter. So uh, R.J.'s in, uh, we met playing also with Ornette Coleman, so he's open to some of these holomotic sound grammar concepts along with Casimir. So it allows me to really implement some of the freedom and discipline style that we learned throughout playing with the Moffat family music and some of the things that are now evolving. Uh, integrating that with the homilotic concepts along with a lot of the other musicians that I've worked with. And basically, uh, you know, finding your own voice is what it's really about and utilizing it to its fullest value and also not being afraid of change but embracing the changes as they come naturally in life. 
so you know, there's a whole slew of musicians. Also, there's the hottest uh, Tomoko Sugawara from Japan, and uh, and also uh, sitar on there from um, uh, and Jenna Roy. Uh, studies outside of the Shanker family. So there's a lot of different colors and different instrumentation. Also, I'm forgetting Irwin Hall, who we worked together with Melody Gardot's band. Uh, he's a tenor saxophonist. He joined me for a couple of uh, songs on Treasure, uh, playing on Selah and also The Celebration. Wonderful player, extraordinary uh, young player. So, you know, I remember uh, he listening to an Art Blakey record, uh, Jazz Messengers, and uh, I think on one of the recordings, I can't remember which one it is, uh, Art says, when these musicians get uh, too old, I'm going to find me some younger ones. <laughs> and boy, did he ever keep that tradition going. And having an experience of actually have, uh, you know, being around and uh, someone like uh, Art Blakey, that environment for the time that I was, was really a blessing because you really see the changes that have occurred. And for the first time after having my 43rd birthday, I tell you, Jason, the, I realized time is moving. <laughs> but it's all good, you know. It's, it's a beautiful time, and it's just a good time to keep uh, making music and, uh, you know, just keep making music and making people happy. My guest is bassist, composer, bandleader Charnet Moffat. His new CD on Motema Music is called Treasure, and uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you, Charnet, and listening to this record and your previous ones, and uh, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again. Thanks for doing it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it.
That's music from Charnet Moffat and his album Treasure on Motema Music. This is the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find Amazon links to purchase the music you hear on the show, and a little bit of that money comes back to the Jazz Session. And you'll also find a donate button if you'd like to contribute directly. The show is free and uh, will continue to be, but it certainly could use your help. So if you'd like to give a little back, just use the secure donate button at thejazzsession.com. The Respect Sextet have a new album on the way, and they've got a gig at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City in August to help uh, promote that new record, and all of the information about that is available at respectsextet.com. I plan to be there, and I hope you will be too. Uh, LPR is a great venue, and Respect always tears it up at LPR, so you should definitely uh, get yourself to New York City, or if you're already there, get yourself to uh, Le Poisson Rouge. I believe it's August 19th, but... uh, I should have had that in front of me, and I could, I guess, pause the recording at this point and find it and come back, but I'm not going to. Just don't tell anyone. Look it up, respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Thank you very much for listening, and now turn off your computer or your iPod and get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back here next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.